If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today I'd like to introduce you to Shirley Crawford. So Shirley's got an interesting story. She tried to commence riding when she was three, and we'll hear a bit more about that later, and after several attempts ended up learning to ride, so started riding and learning to ride at the age of 27. So since then she's gone on, she's show jumped, evented, done dressage, as well as preconditioning and riding racehorses track work. So Shirley was a partner in Valiant Prospect, who a lot of people might know as a leading sire of Australian two-year-old horses. She's also, from 2002 to 2014, caught 39 Brumbies from Fraser Island. So those of you may remember that they were causing quite a lot of problem with erosion. They were eating out the foreshore grassland, very unpopular with the residents of Fraser Island with their ongoing problems. And also there was a bit of public safety there with the Brumbies still being there and a lot of people being around all these Brumbies but not knowing much about horses. Anyway, Shirley relocated all of these Brumbies to the mainland over that two-year period. She now lives on the side of the Great Dividing Range in an absolutely beautiful location north of Toowoomba and enjoys spending time riding and there's something about an overnight ride, Shirley. Um, I'll ask you about that a little bit later, but your favourite saying is safety first and safety always. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. It's like if, if you don't keep yourself safe, keep your horse safe and the general public safe, you don't have a horse to ride. Yep. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about a time when this has been really important, it's either been followed or not been followed. Why is this your favourite subject what, or favourite quote? What, what's brought this uh, on? A, a number of reasons, but one that comes to mind, my vet who I'd had for like 20-odd years had um, come out with a story, you know, of, of an unfortunate accident where the rider was killed. And he, he just said to me one day, Shirley, if you don't, if I see you not wearing your helmet riding out in the forest, I won't come and treat your horses. So that was quite incentive. But also the number of times that you're riding through the forest and uh, there's low-hanging branches and that helmet sure saved you getting a knock on the head. Yep, yep. Look, I think that's a great one, safety first and safety always. And um, I think these days when people are more aware about safety, a lot more people are following the whole, you know, no ride, no helmet rule. Now, I've got that you started, you tried to commence riding when you were three. What was all that about? Uh, that the older sister always got the ride first and she wouldn't let me get on. So. Oh, no. How did that come about? So you had an introduction to horses? Oh, country girl, Western Queensland. You're always going to people's farms and they always have a nice quiet horse that people can ride. But uh, my sister wasn't into sharing in those days. So. 
How much older was she? Because you were three, how old was she? Oh, she was 18 months older than me, so enough to be, you know, a little bit of a, <laughs> a bit more knowledge than I did on how to keep up, stay on the horse. Okay. I had a younger sister. I was, I, I might have been the older bossy one, but I always think that I wanted to teach her everything that I knew. You know, she's, she's, um, yeah. So that that was mine. I suppose maybe I probably, she'd probably say that I was a bit bossy as well. <laughs> yeah, well, we always, we always, all of our, our siblings all say that uh, my elder sister was the bossy one. Yep, yep. All right, now you ended up learning to ride, so you had several attempts. Any Anything else about a bossy older sister? Uh, no, but uh, when I was 15, I uh, my, my younger sister brought a friend around with a horse, lovely quiet horse, and uh, I was allowed to get up bareback, no helmet, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Not 40 years ago, and uh, anyway, um, was just too high up, and I was scared of heights, so got back down again. <laughs> okay, so one ride when you're 15, but then you started to learn to ride when you were 27. That's that's a fair age for someone who was didn't get the opportunity when they were three, then was too scared when they were 15, scared of heights. What happened or what changed your mind at 27? My children were learning to ride. It was an extremely well-managed, safe environment. It was an indoor school on trained horses with almost a foot of sawdust. So if you fell, you weren't going to hurt yourself, but you didn't fall anyway because it was well-trained horses and, uh, yeah, cavalry officers who knew what they were doing. So really an ideal way for people to learn to ride. Ideal. If, if you know, you so need that trained instructor with the trained horses. Okay. All right. Now, now that you, um, you know, you've done quite a lot with horses, what's your main area of expertise now? I think because I didn't start till I was 27, I wouldn't say I was nervous, but you're very aware of sitting on such a large animal with so much power that I find a lot of people are nervous. Um, they've had bad experiences. And so, so yes, I, I really think that my expertise is in helping those nervous riders mm -hmm. of any age who has either had a bad experience or doesn't want to have a bad experience. Mm, so that's good then. A little bit of been there, done that. So had you kept riding when you were three or even when you were 15, you might have developed the confidence and then when you're old enough and, and experienced enough to start teaching, maybe you wouldn't have remembered being nervous and lacking confidence. So you wouldn't have had much empathy with, um, with your riders then. But now that you've actually learnt to ride as an older rider, you've got a lot more empathy and feeling for those people who don't have confidence. Yes, definitely. All right then. Um, that sounds great. About anything else that you you know that you want to say about that, or anything else that you particularly like doing? Um, I do like training horses. I've had a lot of experience with retraining race horses mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to be riding horses, um, and I find that any horse that I sell, it usually goes to a child. Yep. So, you know, obviously I've come to realise that my method of training is, is a soft, gentle method. 
after all, horses can feel a fly land on them, so why do they need whips and spurs? Yep. And, um, yeah, and there's, there's just that gentle method that, that – and children don't have a lot of strength, so, you know, if, if you're communicating well with your horse, he understands clearly what you're asking him to do. Okay, now that particular, you know, you're saying I've got a particular method. Is there ever a time that you weren't aware of what the horse required? You know, how did you learn about horses being so sensitive? Was you know, I just want to hear a little bit about your story and what made you, um, what made you go into the field of training horses, or just something that you would have learned that you'd like to share with the listeners. I think the first time I really became aware of what I was doing with horses was when Monty Roberts first came to Australia. I realised that we're basically doing the same thing that he's doing. And then you realise that, yes, and why am I doing it similar to the way he's doing it? Because that is how horses learn. Yes, okay. The Brumbies taught me so much, just sitting and watching the Brumbies on the island and once they were over here and and you realise that a horse is a horse, the only difference is the sport that they're doing. Yes, so you're saying the basic training's the same because, as you said, that's how horses learn. Yeah. Yep, yep, okay. All right, I want you to tell me now, um, and this could be either teaching a rider that's not as confident or doing something with a horse or maybe a combination of the two, what's the time your proudest moment within that you know when were you the most proud of what you're currently doing oh I think I think it it would be with a horse with one of the Brumby stallions off Fraser Island when it took me less than two minutes to put a halter on a wild stallion Okay, and just tell me a little bit about the technique you use. What did you use? Uh, you know, a bit about the surroundings, what, you know, just a bit more about that day. Okay, well, I probably didn't plan to to say I'm going to put a halter on this horse today. It's simply, um, I mean, the Brumbies were, what are they most familiar with? Bushes, branches of trees, native vegetation. I didn't get a whip out and a rope and things that he didn't have any idea what they were. Yep. I just used a branch and, and he, he just allowed me to touch him all over with the branch. That wasn't scary. Mm-hmm. And then um, he was confident then with me coming closer to him and I was able to just um, touch him with the back of my hand. Again, Monty Roberts says, you know, the animals see that the mountain lion isn't going to claw at you while he's licking his paw and, and has the back of the paw facing you. So, you know, this this wild stallion. And, and then with just the rope in my hand, I was able to put it under his neck and over, and he was quite happy about the whole process. So, yeah, that, that took about, you know, two minutes. <laughs> That's great that you had that empathy, but also you're thinking about the horse and thinking about what the horse is familiar with in their environment. So if you went out somewhere else, you may not have a branch. You might have something else that's in their environment they're comfortable with, but a branch from their environment, um, yeah, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Shirley, tell me about, and I could have talked about this before, 
you said something about overnight rides. What happened recently about your overnight ride? It wasn't actually a ride. I was I was on foot. I'd left the horses behind. Okay, <laughs> right, right. I, you told me about. It. Look, keep going with it anyway because um, that that was an interesting story. Okay, well, I was doing a lot of walking to get fit because I'm finding that just riding horses isn't getting me as fit as I want to be to, to ride the Andy Mountains at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And so my dog that I've inherited, a Ridgeback, and myself set out about 2 o'clock in the afternoon and it was drizzling a little bit, but, you know, it was still nice and warm and I thought, oh, well, you know, a couple of hours walk, that'll, that'll help a lot. So anyway, I went to check some cattle on the southern boundary mm-hmm. and climbed the mountain just following the cattle trails. And once I'd seen that, yes, you know, there was really fresh manure there, so I knew the, knew the cattle I was looking for were in that vicinity. I thought I'll just take a shortcut and head west, which would take me up over the mountain, along the plateau and back home again. Yes. And... I, I got to the place where we normally would climb down the mountain mm-hmm. and the ridgeback that was with me whined and ran away. And she was like, normally she would be out there in front of me showing the, me the best track down. Yep. But anyway, I thought, oh, that's just that, you know, I can't really see what's there because it's all leaf litter. Sure, yep. So and, she was telling and, something, I, yep. Yeah, and I attempted it a second time. I called her back to me and then I attempted it the second time and she did it the same, exactly the same thing. She just whined and ran away and I thought, yep, we'll try and find somewhere else to go down today. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, it could have been snakes, could have been anything, could have been a landslide about to happen, rock slide, who knows. So really you're saying that you're using the same instinct with the with your dog as what you would with your horses and really listening to them to see what they're trying to tell you. I think we all know the story of Black Beauty. Yep. And you're a fool if you don't listen to the to the animals around you. Mm-hmm. They have instincts that we've lost or if we ever had them. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so anyway, to cut a long story short, <laughs> we uh, spent the night on the mountain and this is in the middle of July. <laughs> Which is winter in Australia, yep. And, and no no um, warm, really warm clothing. And then three o'clock in the morning, it decided to rain. <laughs> so I was very grateful that I'd spent a lot of time as a child out Western Queensland camping out. Yep. And, and knew enough to get myself some branches on the to to sit on and lay on during the night. So we, you know, got the leaves off the off the trees and made ourselves a couple of inches of cushioning between the cold ground and and, uh, and myself and uh, made a bit of a wall around us in case any wild dogs came around during the night. Yep. And I picked a tree that I could sleep up against so I only had to protect the front of us. Mm-hmm. It was warm from the tree and made a, a bit of a, a roof lean to over the top with breaking branches and twining them through. I only had about 10 or 15 minutes to do all of this so I was really thankful that it's a forested area and we had plenty of trees so when you say we were you with someone else yes me and the dog (laughs) good news well it was a good news story because you're here to talk tell us about it so certainly an experience yeah 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 
and didn't have to face the embarrassment of finding myself on the TV or the news. <laughs> so he snuck out of that. Okay. Shirley, what does the future hold for you now? Oh, gosh. I think just pretty well more of the same, uh, trying to learn as much as I can. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. I love learning. I love being with the horses. I see. I, I love seeing other people in getting enjoyment out of riding my horses. And I think just trying to to teach other people to be empathetic with the horse and to for them to understand how to communicate. You know, and most people you, you say to, "What's communication?" And most people would say, "Talking." Yes. So few say listening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nothing's more important when you're learning horses is to listen and learn how the horse is feeling about what you're doing. Yeah, so the listening is not just sounds, is it? No, no. The listening is like like in human language, body language, the eyes, the ears, the tail. Yep. Did the horse move away from what you were just doing? Did he move away because you pressed too hard or did he move away because he really doesn't want you doing that? Yep. All right. Now, that sounds great and that's a really good message for uh, for the horse world. What about um, a book? Have you got a favourite book that you would like to recommend? Oh, look, there are so many good books out there and it really depends on the stage that the individual rider horse person is at at the time. Yeah, because I get this story a lot that that people say, well, it depends, you know, there's no one answer. What's a book then that has really influenced you and your teaching? I, I would have to say um, Monty Roberts and Joyner yep. would be one. Okay, yes. In, in, lat- in, the, in, in latter years, I really like um, – Andrew McLean and Manuela McLean's academic horse training. Yep, okay, yep. I love the fact that they're now actually proving with science how horses behave and and, uh, and learn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, I'll put a link to both those books on the page anyway, but you're very interested in science, so you've got a little bit of a science background. Yes, I have a two science degrees, an ag degree in soil and water management mm-hmm. and the ecological management master of science. Yes, yeah, so you can really appreciate then if there's science and experiments, it's not just an old wives tale. It really is scientific proof this works. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Shirley, if people want to contact you, and uh, especially if they want to go for a ride in the mountains without the overnight trekking or maybe an overnight trek that can be organised, how can they contact Or if they're not, you know, would like some confidence with their riding or would like you to to do something with their horse, what's the best way to contact you? Email is the best way. Okay. Um, I, I do have a website and the email address is on there. Okay. What's the name of the website? Um, scenic.lodge.com.au. Okay, we'll put a link to that in the um, show notes as well. Yep. And your email is Shirley, S H I R L E Y, got G O T at bigpond.com. Wonderful. All right, thanks very much, Shirley. Now, if people have got questions about this episode, is it okay for you to come back on and answer some questions? Absolutely, yes. Wonderful. All right, thank you very much. 
If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 